The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. Bringing you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. The worst horror against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. The biggest and deadliest flare-up in years. A stunning and surprising attack countered by Israeli forces. Declared war after that unprecedented multi-pronged terror attack from Hamas. A nation in crisis. <laughs> Alone in a hostile world. against evil. Israel is at war. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. A nation in need of support, understanding, encouragement. Israel is a nation rich in history. History that brings meaning, purpose, vision and hope. That history is revealed in the land of Israel itself. In stones and artifacts. In archaeology. 3,000 years ago, Israel was in crisis. But the beleaguered nation united around a royal throne. A royal family that built a monumental kingdom. A kingdom that inspired nations. A new exhibit brings this ancient history to life. Welcome to the Kingdom of David and Solomon Discovered. There you go. That was the uh, opening video at yesterday's grand opening of this, uh, this very exhibit, the Kingdom of David and Solomon Discovered. And the feedback that we got yesterday that we're continuing to get, it really has been uh, tremendous. Uh, something like 800 people were on hand yesterday afternoon. One o'clock in the afternoon, the ceremony went for about an hour and a half, and uh, it was live streamed over to our friends in Jerusalem and Israel as well. So, and lots of people, I think, uh, around the world tuning in to see what you saw there and then to hear the, uh, the presentations as well. And we hope to play all of those uh, later on 
this week. So uh, you can catch it if you happen to miss it yesterday. To, to, to learn more about this exhibit, you can go to the armstronginstitute.org uh, website. This uh, beautiful brochure, this is uh, an enlarged version of Let the Stones uh, Speak from earlier this year, something like 130 pages, and it basically gives you uh, the exhibit in print. There's, uh, of course, quite a lot on uh, all of the, the plaques and all of the, just the, the visuals that you see in the, uh, the lobby of Armstrong Auditorium, but you can't put all of that information on these storyboards. So if you want to get to the, the in-depth version, uh, you can go to the brochure as well that we make available at the exhibit. If you live anywhere near, anywhere near Edmond, Oklahoma, you're going to want to visit this exhibit sometime over the course of this year. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on this good Monday morning. It's been beautiful, beautiful out in uh, central Oklahoma outside these past few days. We, we truly did have some spectacular weather for all of the special events that we had this past uh, weekend. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com or by going to our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily and uh, leave us a thumbs up. Leave us a, a nice comment. We had the Rumble promotion yesterday. There were only 26,000 views. I say only because we had one that got something like 110 or 20,000 a few weeks ago. But 26,000 views. I'm not sure if it's because maybe it didn't appear uh, on the promo for as long or what, but uh, we added 30 followers to the Rumble channel as well. So we're still getting some solid numbers from the Rumble promotion and also from Live from America uh, TV. That's at uh, Rumble as well. And they play our program every, they replay our program every weekday evening. So a lot to get to on today's show. While we were busy, <laughs> by the way, we had another Celtic throne. How did I forget, forget the Celtic throne performance last night, which really and truly was one of their best performances. I mean, this, this marks the beginning of their fifth season on tour. There's uh, always some new little additions here and there to the show, new people and performers that are contributing. We saw some of that last night. And, and I forgot about this as I was sitting and enjoying the show. I forgot to tell the boys about getting the feedback. They just did it on their, their own. So we're happy to bring back the Celtic Throne feedback. You can look for that uh, leading off the next segment on today's show. Some wonderful feedback, both uh, in response to the Celtic Throne performance and also to the exhibit. But while we were having fun, there was quite a lot going on in the news. For example, in South Carolina, their primary was on Saturday. And according to Lawrence O'Donnell over at MSNBC, Trump lost. <laughs> Donald Trump lost the South Carolina primary. In, in actual fact, he won going away. He won by 20 points. He won 60-40. But according to O'Donnell, this is bad news. Listen to clip one. Who 
would they vote for in a general election? Lawrence needs to wait. I mean, this is like your sweet spot. How is Joe Biden looking so at this 37 percent? These numbers are disastrous for Donald Trump. Disastrous. OK, that's the reason I mentioned that the big forgotten number of South Carolina, which is Joe Biden getting 96 percent. OK, that's what you're supposed to get. All right. And Donald Trump's not going to come close to that. Donald Trump's going to leave 30 percent. I don't know, 25 percent, whatever it is. Of 37 percent. Not yet. We don't know. We don't know what the result of this election is tonight, but it, it's going to be a very substantial number. Could be a third of the vote. He's going to leave that on the table belonging to another candidate. All you need, all you need is 5% right. of the 30%. Yeah. We're talking about a sliver. Yeah. That's all you need to not vote for Donald Trump of, of this representative kind of voter in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Georgia. And so th these are disastrous voting results for Donald Trump in the general election. This is his area of expertise, Lawrence O'Donnell. Trump, these are disastrous numbers for Trump, winning 60%. Trump won 33% in uh, 2016 and went on to win the presidency. They're treating him, as you know, we've gone over this before, they're treating him as an incumbent. It, Biden gets 96% because, well, there's no race. There's nobody in the race. So nobody shows up and he gets 96% of those people that do. Trump, he's got the Koch brothers, he's got every political establishment, every Republican establishment aligned against him. And he's still crushing it everywhere that he goes. That's why they've come out with Russiagate 3.0. Because they know, they know it's inevitable that he not only gets the nomination, but that he wins in November. They're already making plans to prevent him from taking office. They're planning an insurrection, even as we speak. I'll show you the articles here in just a second. But on the one hand, they're acknowledging this, knowing that they've got to, they've got to do something, either to put him in prison or to, to unleash an insurrection against the, the insurrectionist. How about that? And then on the other hand, they say, oh, he's terrible. He lost. These are disastrous numbers. In the morning brief, Donald Trump uh, defeated Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina on Saturday, winning around 60% of the vote to Haley's 40%. Trump is solidly the favorite for the nomination. Yesterday, Americans for Prosperity Action pulled, uh, pulled its funding for Haley, saying it would save its cash for key Senate and House races. So Haley's going to start to lose her funding. That's the only thing that will make her drop out. She got up and said, I'm, I'm still in. <laughs> she has no chance, but she's going to stay in the fight for the long haul. I forget when the next, I think it's Super Tuesday, maybe a week from tomorrow. So we'll keep our eyes on that uh, as well. But be assured, the propagandists are going to be out in full force, telling all kinds of lies, scaremongering, telling you one, analyzing numbers and, and saying they don't really mean what you can see with your own eyeballs. <laughs> Here's, speaking of Lawrence O'Donnell, listen to what he said. This was actually last week uh, on the notion that Biden is too old. Clip uh, six. 
And the notion that Joe Biden is too old is based on a complete and utter misunderstanding of the work of the presidency. The job is to make decisions, not speeches. History writes about the decisions. And the decisions have been perfect. He's not too old. That is a false narrative. Bob Costas, he's the radical leftist sports commentator. I'm not sure what he's, or if he's still doing that, but I guess he now fancies himself as a political commentator. But even he is calling for Biden to step aside because he says he's old. He's going to be 86 by the time he completes a second term. And by staying in there, stubbornly, by staying in there, he's giving, he's giving Donald Trump a chance to return to office. And this prospect, I mean, this is a nightmare scenario for Costas. Listen to this unhinged derangement for sure. Clip two. You come at this from a position of not wanting to see Trump get elected. You should state that at the outset. True? Yes, absolutely. He is by far the most disgraceful figure in modern presidential history. He's only become more disgraceful since 2016 and since 2020. He is a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits. You have to be in the throes of some sort of toxic delusion in a toxic cult to believe that Donald Trump has ever been in any sense emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, or ethically fit to be president of the United States. It really is stunning to hear this kind of thing. And it's, I mean, it's coming out every single day, the toxic cult and everything else. But in the minds of these people, the only evil in the world is Donald Trump. And, and here, look at, just take, I mean, take off the blindfold and look around at wide open borders Look around, look at the story in Georgia where border control has confirmed that the guy who murdered that college student, the girl, he was an illegal alien and he had been arrested several times. I think he was arrested first in, in Alvin Bragg's New York City. He, he goes to Georgia, he doesn't know who this girl is, just kills her, just murder. As if the United States, amid all of the crime in our big cities especially, as if we need more criminals, more murderers to just come right in across the border. They're not sending their best, as Donald, Donald Trump once said. They're certainly not. And why would we let him in? And how, as, as all of this is happening, how could your focus be solely on a man named Donald Trump. He actually secured the border. He, the economy was actually booming, certainly they, during those first three years before COVID. They want you to take their jab, no questions asked. They want you to hunker down in your basement for months and months and months. You just do what we say to do. Then Trump comes along and says, you know what, I want to put, I want to put the power to the people. And, the, and these people like Bob Costas, you really begin to worry about their, their mental stability. A toxic, a bubbling cauldron of loathsome traits. Meanwhile, you've got people murdering American citizens. Listen to AOC as she tries to justify the crime that's just pouring across the border. She's basically in this clip saying, 
you know, there is no problem with uh, immigration. Never mind, never mind what you're hearing or seeing. There's no problem. Clip uh, three. The idea that Republicans, in order to win an election, say we need to hermetically seal the border when they know that that would be that is economic self-sabotage to the U.S. economy. And they are saying, let's let's do it anyway. And to compensate for the negative effects, we're going to allow and throw people's kids into factories. That is what they are doing in rolling back child labor laws while being as xenophobic and anti-immigrant as, as they are. And while ginning up this this false narrative about this being a crisis. Hermetically sealed. I'll have to remember that word. I just looked it up. It's uh, airtight. They want it. They want it to be airtight down at the southern border. She says it's not a crisis at all. That Republicans, well, they're just making it up. These are the same people that are plotting or creating false narratives. Russia 3.0, as one commentator put it. This is from NBC. It's amazing, really. They, they can't even come up with a new scandal or a new fake scandal. They just got to recycle the same old Russia, Russia, Russia line. NBC says Russia is already spreading disinformation in advance of the 2024 election using fake online accounts and bots to damage President Joe Biden and his fellow Democrats, according to former U.S. officials and cyber experts. They're already interfering. It's a, never mind what we told you was Russian disinformation about Hunter's laptop in 2020. Remember that? And this was all the cause that uh, social media needed to blot out the New York Post and others. That was Russiagate 2.0. 1.0 was the, the, the James, James Comey Mueller investigation, investigation into Trump. Donald Trump, or rather Barack Obama's DOJ. His intel community coming out and saying, yeah, actually, actually Trump wouldn't have won were it not for Vladimir Putin. And then here we are, as I keep saying, eight years on, and it's like deja vu. The dissemination of attacks on Biden is part of a continuing effort by Moscow to undercut American military aid to Ukraine and U.S. support for solidarity with NATO. It says a similar effort is underway in Europe. Further on, with Donald Trump opposing U.S. and Ukraine, uh, opposing U.S. aid to Ukraine and claiming that he once warned a NATO leader that he would encourage Russia to attack a NATO ally if it didn't pay its share of defense spending, the potential rewards for Russian President Vladimir Putin are high. Oh, yes. So he's using the bots. It's just so easy to influence an election, a U.S. election, with the bots. In that way, you can rig an election these deranged Democrats are saying, this is from Miranda Devine, for the 2016 election, Democrats launched Russiagate 1.0, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax proven groundless by the Mueller investigation. For the 2020 election, it was Russiagate 2.0. Biden campaign advisor Antony Blinken prompted former CIA acting director Mike Morrell to concoct the dirty 51 letter All of these liars signing the letter. 
All the classic hallmarks of Russian disinformation, this laptop. And then we find out, what, a year and a half later, that they were, they were the disinformation agents. These 51 liars. Blinken telling Mike Morale, Americans, happening right here inside America. Yeah, let's, tell, let's just tell lies about that laptop so that we can get it censored. They rigged it. Top to bottom. You might have seen that clip recently between Donald Trump and Brett Baer. He's, he's the, the newsman over at Fox. And Trump says they rigged it. They stole it. And, and, he, and Brett Baer says there's no evidence. It's been for four years. It's rigged on every level. And Trump just threw back the fact that they censored the laptop. What do you call that if it's not trying to rig it? You're blotting out the other side. They don't have a voice. They don't have a message. People admitted later they would have changed their vote on that alone. But then there's all the mules, <laughs> the, the ballot harvesting. They can't win without creating fake ballots. They can't win without the regime media censoring the truth. Here they come along now and they're telling us that the Russians, they're already meddling in the election, the 2024 election, and they're doing it to hurt Joe Biden. It says here, in a, in a frantic effort to keep, oh, well, I skipped a bit here. It says, now we're heading, we're heading into the 2024 election and we have Russiagate 3.0. Democrats pretend the, the impeachment inquiry has utterly collapsed because of the curious indictment last week of trusted FBI informant Alexander Smirnoff. We went over this on Friday's show. If you didn't see that, I'd urge you to go back to, uh, to see it either at TrumpetDaily.com or at uh, the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash TrumpetDaily. It says here, no, Hunter's laptop from you know where was not Russian disinformation. It still isn't. The FBI has had it in its possession since December 2019 and has authenticated it as real and valid for use in court. The FBI has known this since 2019. And yet here, here came all these agents of deception, 51 of them, from the intel community from Barack Obama's deep state, and they just lied. They lied. Victor Davis Hanson, collusion about collusion. The, the more candidate Trump in 2016 trolled the Clinton campaign, the more irate let the left bought into hysterical conspiracy theories. It says, finally, the left became completely unhinged after the 2016 victory. Since then, the press has run with lurid stories about Trump from having syphilis sores in his hands to proof of him beating up uh, Melania. But amid the unhinged hatred, nothing has quite reached the absurdity of the Russia-Russia obsessions. As they're pointing out, I mean, they just keep recycling it. It says here, it talks about how that the Russiagate 1.0, to use Miranda Devine's um, labels, it destroyed people like General Michael Flynn. He's been on this program before. It's destroyed Trump associates. VDH says, but in that sordid process, we learned the following. 
that a felonious FBI lawyer, Kevin Kleinsmith, was convicted of doctoring a court document to mislead FISA courts, to mislead them in efforts to surveil an innocent man, that would be Trump, and all things Trump, that the FBI director, James Comey, recorded and leaked via a third party to the New York Times a private, confidential, and likely classified conversation with the president and lied to the president that he was not the subject of a federal investigation. Comey got away with all that. The leaking, the lying. I mean, he's a traitor. He lied to President Trump. He lied to his face. They can get away with that on the communist side. Comey was outdone by special counsel Robert Mueller. He claimed under oath that he knew almost nothing about Fusion, Fusion GPS and the Steele dossier, the twin catalysts that had led to his very appointment you remember Mueller's testimony? He, he knew nothing. He didn't even know anything about the investigation. Just handed it over to the pit bull and all those associates, all those rabid dogs, just going after Trump in a spirit like you, you just heard from Bob Costas. That's all the evil that he can see. He's a loathsome, he's a loathsome human being. Says we learned in addition that Christopher Steele was hired by Hillary Clinton and you know on and on it goes. It says the British ex-spy Steele's mission was to find dirt on, on her presidential opponent, Trump. He did so by compiling a dossier of fakery and smears. Ironically, many of the most scurrilous charges might have reached Steele through Russian sources. That's right. Ru the Russian disinformation agents, they were giving info to Steele. Steele was giving it to Clinton. And Obama's deep state, they took it and they ran with it. Here we are now at Russia, Russiagate 3.0. The, the nice thing, as we cover on this program, is that uh, so many of these corrupt, treasonous agents, they are being exposed. I mean, <laughs> you think about poetic justice, the story that broke Friday afternoon about the, the Trump attorneys that got all of the phone records for Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade. Remember, they testified just a week or two ago that, that yeah, we didn't have any kind of romantic relationship at all before, uh, you know, before I decided to hire Wade. The, the, the receipts tell a different story. These two, they lied under oath. Certainly Nathan Wade did. I think the quote they got him, you know, they had the hearing a week and a half ago as to whether or not they should even stay on this case to try to get Trump because of how dishonest they are and how much they lie to the judge and even under oath. Nathan Wade testified. So if phone records were to reflect that you were making phone calls from the same location as Fannie Willis's condo before November 1, 2021. That's when Fannie hired him and started paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars that were kicking back to her on these lavish, you know, world trips. The two lovebirds just spending tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars on themselves. He says, you know, maybe... It, it, I maybe might have called her a few times during the course of 2021. The lawyer says, so if phone records were to reflect 
that you were making phone calls from the same location as her condo before November 1, 2021, and it was on multiple occasions, the phone records would be wrong. And uh, Nathan Wade said, yeah, yeah. If the records say I called her, the records are wrong. The records say that from January to November of 2021, 10-month period there, 10, 11 months, Nathan Wade made 2,000 calls, or the two of them, called each other 2,000 times. That amounts to, what, six phone calls per day. And then it gets better. 12,000 text messages. I haven't sent 12,000 text messages in my entire cell phone life. 12,000 text messages over the course of 10 or 11 months just between these two. We're just texting each other 40 times a day, calling six times. The records reveal that his phone was at Fanny's condo overnight, meaning he was there as well, committing adultery, not with his wife, 35 times that year. These are the people that are deranged in their hatred for Trump. The poetic justice, as I say, is that they're going after Donald Trump on a phone call. A perfectly good, a a perfectly lawful phone call. And here these people are destroying their careers over, over thousands of phone calls and text messages. Hopefully the judge will stand up to this deceit, these lies, these, these criminal acts. He should. We've made the point, as my father makes in America Under Attack, that God is leading so many of these treasonous agents right into a masterful trap. The Daily Beast says, Wade, the trial attorney Willis hired to help prosecute former President Trump, on state charges of election interference, allegedly visited the DA at home, occasionally arriving late at night and staying until the wee hours some three dozen times between April 1st, 2021 and November 30th. That's even a shorter window. That's like five, six months. Three dozen times. Willis and Wade have both testified under oath that they didn't start dating until 2022. You see, that's the timeline that they had to create in order for her to seem like it was no big deal to give this man that she later became a lover with, that she gave him this job that, by the way, he didn't have any experience in. Yeah, he's just a, 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 like a lawyer on a low level dealing with smaller crimes. Now he's trying to take down the former president of the United States on a RICO case, something he had no no prior experience in. So they get exposed, these two, and then they say, well, no, no, I didn't start paying him when we were lovers. It happened, it just happened after the fact. She started paying him November 1st, 2021. The next day, Wade files for divorce, because, I mean, he's living large. He's traveling the world with Fanny. As I say, they're they're being exposed. They've testified under oath that they didn't start dating until 2022. If this chronology turns out to be untrue, the pair could face allegations of perjury. We'll see. We'll see. 
I think I saw another story Friday on, on Wayne LaPierre. He, uh, he, he's the guy that used to head up the NRA, and a Manhattan jury went after him. I think for, he, he too was supposedly living large off some of the donations coming into the NRA, and they, uh, they went after him. I forget what the penalty was. I don't think I brought that particular story with me, but it was pretty severe. I mean, if it's the National Rifle Association, you go after them and you find something. You, I'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong. I don't know anything about the case. It just struck me that here you've got people heading up Republican or conservative uh, organizations, and they will get you. They will use some lawfare to take you out. But then look at these people, these hypocrites, guilty of the very crimes they project at Donald Trump or they accuse Donald Trump of. Meanwhile, this is from The Atlantic. This also came out on Friday. It says here, without clear guidance from the Supreme Court, House Democrats suggest that they might not certify a Trump win on January 6th. So here come the real insurrectionists. I mean, they are, they are planning and plotting now to take out Donald Trump, to not certify. Two seconds ago, again, we were told that this is insurrection. And of course, the, the Republicans, going back to January 6, 2021, they weren't even plotting to, to not certify. They, they wanted it to be investigated. The, the, all of these reports of corruption. It says here, in interviews, senior House Democrats would not commit to certifying a Trump win. Over at Issues and Insights, it says, we've now reached peak Trump derangement syndrome. Democrats are actually making plans to prevent Donald Trump from taking office even if he legitimately wins the election. In other words, they're plotting an insurrection to keep the man whom they claim is an insurrectionist out of the White House. Logic, common sense, the future of the country, all be damned. (laughs) You really can't make this up. How do we know this is what they're scheming? Because as President Joe Biden's poll numbers continue to drop, his mental and physical health rapidly deteriorate, and options to replace him on the ballot shrink, Democrats are openly talking about it. They just openly talk about stealing elections. They just openly talk about their strategy. An amicus brief filed by three law professors in the Colorado case warns that if the justices didn't, don't rule on whether Trump is eligible or not to run for office under the 14th Amendment, and if Trump wins the election, it is a virtual certainty that some members of Congress will assert his disqualification under Section 3. They, well, we're already seeing it, aren't we? They will explore every option to destroy Trump because... Again, you look, at, you look at that shocking statement from Bob Costas. That's the way these people think. They can't see any other problems in the world except that Donald Trump is a loathsome human being. Issues and Insights says, We have no doubt whatsoever that should Trump win and Democrats try to defy the will of the voters in an honest election, They won't be called insurrectionists. They will be heralded as saviors of democracy. 
if, if Donald Trump win, if, if it happens through the ballot box on election day, if Donald Trump wins, these people that have been talking about denying an election, denying the results of an election is an insurrection. They are going to turn on a dime and all that, this is our fearless prediction, all that they'll be able to talk about is how Trump stole it. How he stole the election. It says here, and if Trump wins and Democrats don't try to deny him the White House and violent protests will erupt on Capitol Hill demanding that Trump be denied a second term, these rioters won't be called insurrectionists either. They will be called patriots who are trying to save the country. As we said, we've reached peak Trump derangement syndrome. I'm not even sure that's, that's completely right. Are we at peak level? It's bad. There's no doubt about it. Eight years on, Russiagate 1.0, Russiagate 2.0. Now we're at the 3.0. And Trump just keeps barreling ahead crushes Nikki Haley. Think of it. Nikki Haley is from South Carolina. This is her home state. This is where she was the governor. And she gets crushed by 20 points. At CPAC over the weekend, you had all these conservative commentators. It's amazing just listening to some of the clips of that. I didn't see any of the speeches in their entirety, but you know, there's people talking about Donald Trump coming back to save the country. It's, it's similar. Of course, it's not Trump doing it. Second Kings 14 says that God has to do it. God has to intervene. The affliction is so bitter that he has to intervene to save America temporarily. But he does it by the hand of Jeroboam. Listen to Steve Bannon. Uh, I think this was at a, a speech on Saturday, clip four. When they stole the election and he went back to Mar-a-Lago, he could have played the game. He could have been part of the system. He could have gotten the big book deal and had the memorial films made about him and, you know, built more golf courses and had a life of leisure as a billionaire should have and deserve and with his beautiful family. What did he do? He came back to lead his country and say, I'm not going to let them steal this election and I'm not going to ever let them destroy the United States of America. Like the great Roman general, Cincinnatus, he has returned from the plow to save his country. To save his country. <laughs> That's uh, Bannon cutting loose with some emotion there. Here's uh, Carrie Lake. She was on this program back in uh, September. She, as you know, she's running for uh, the Senate, the U.S. Senate, to represent Arizona. She was at CPAC on Saturday, I believe, clip five. This energy isn't going anywhere. And frankly, there's not enough fake, fake news smears and phony ballots in the world to stop the number of fed up Americans who are going to show up at the polls come November, right? And over the next eight and a half months, yes, we're down to eight and a half months now, the people in this room and the people across America will devote our time, our money, and all of our energy to saving this republic. Because if we are not willing to make those kind of sacrifices, then we will, as Ronald Reagan said, fall into a thousand years of darkness.
sometimes it feels like we're already there, doesn't it? It sure does. Boy, <laughs> that's, that's uh, Ronald Reagan. She's referring back to that, what he said about if America falls, a thousand years of darkness. This is where these radical left-wing communists want to take the United States. And in, in many ways, it feels like we're already there. That's, uh, that's 2 Kings 14 again. Bitter, bitter affliction. One last one here. This is from Christy Nome. She's the governor up in uh, South Dakota. And she's wondering aloud why, why people would even line up to, to uh, compete against Donald Trump on the Republican side. I mean, you sh- it should be obvious. Well, they're lining up because you've still got people like Lawrence O'Donnell saying, oh, this means it's a disaster for Trump. And they're lining up because there's the, the billionaire Republican clubs that want to do anything that they can to prevent Donald Trump from winning the nomination. Well, now he just won South Carolina, the only state that Nikki Haley could have possibly competed in. And she gets crushed by 20. Listen to Christy Noem, clip 10. Last year, when everyone was asking me if I was going to consider running for president, I said no. Why would you run for president if you can't win? I didn't say that to be nice. I said it because it was a fact. No one we knew could beat Donald J. Trump. We've known that for over a year, that he's the only person who had the support to be the Republican nominee. So why did all these other people and candidates get into the race? For themselves? For personal benefit? For a spotlight for a period of time? But it did not and it does not strengthen our country if conservatives are not united enough to recognize that we need to win. We need a fighter. We need someone who doesn't give up, who has never quit on us, so don't you quit on him. President Trump President Trump, he, he broke politics in 2016. He just did. And I think that's a good thing because he's real. He's not perfect. None of us are. But he cares about you. And what I love about him the most is that he doesn't think he's better than you. So luckily, we are not going back to the good old days of the Romneys and the Cheneys and the Republican Party is much bigger than that now. He broke the Republican establishment back in 2016. He's revealed the Uniparty, among other things. He's revealed the communist infiltration of the United States of America. Or at least God has done it through him. If you want to delve further into that subject, the prophesied communist infiltration of America Make sure that you call our operators and request. He was right. Herbert Armstrong was right. He was writing about the communist attack on America as far back as the 1940s and 50s. And look at where we are. We're we're heading into a thousand years of darkness, to paraphrase Reagan. It's going to take the hand of God to save America. And of course, we know it's only going to be temporary. God's trying to wake us up 
in preparation for the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. He wants us to be, well, to be well aware of the fact that great tribulation is prophesied immediately before Christ's arrival on earth. All of that's laid out in the Olivet Prophecy, Matthew 24, Luke 21. We'll have to go through those in some detail at a later time. When we come back, we've got the ever-popular Celtic Throne feedback. We had a performance at Armstrong Auditorium last night, and the, react, the crowd, it was truly one of the best crowds we've ever had as well. One of the best performances. I've been to so many, but, but one of the best crowds as well. And we've got a couple of minutes of feedback coming from then, as I say, when we return. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. Daily News. Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. Only The Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. Fantastic. Excellent. That was awesome. It was amazing. Pretty amazing. I thought it was wonderful. Oh, I loved it. It was wonderful. This is the greatest thing on earth in terms of shows. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's so overwhelming. It's wonderful. I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know what else I can say. It was so fabulous. I, I don't think I could come up with enough words. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad I got to see it. And I've never seen it live until today. And that was, that was fabulous. Oh, I can hardly wait to go back to Yak it up to everybody. Yeah, everybody Everybody should try to get to it at least once live like this. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Oh, we loved it. It was lots of fun. I loved it. It was amazing. I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. I was choked up the whole time, of course. It was fantastic as usual. Hats off to the, uh, to the efforts of the people that choreographed and brought it all together. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Beyond belief. It was great. I saw their enthusiasm, dancing, swinging, just great. I, I like the way they mixed up the, uh, the choreography. The things were a little different this time around, and it's, it's exciting to see it and that it keeps going. It's still very fresh, and it's a very enjoyable show. Very exciting. Energetic. I really liked it. I liked the, the dancing a lot. It was really impressive how they could play the fiddle and dance and sing all in one person, like for multiple people. Yeah. My favorite was the Thunder one. That one was really cool. All of them were really, you know, talented. So. I just told Zoe, I, I, I remember her name is Zoe up there. 
she's the girl who she fiddles and dances. Now that's I just told her that is special awesome. Everything's awesome, special awesome. <laughs> that's my opinion. That's He's awesome. a fiddler himself. Well, and I also can't fiddle like she can. She's way better than I am. I'll tell you that. But she can do both fantastically. I, that to me is special. We were here last year and we're coming back. Since. This is our third. We'll be back. They're coming back for more. It's the, as I've said around campus here, it's the show that never gets old. There's a lot of people. It's always exciting to see people in town and they tell us that they're here to see it live for the first time. And in some cases, there are people that have watched it online uh, five, six, seven, eight times. And to see how excited they get when uh, they finally get to see it live, it is pretty amazing. I was going to go to some of the cities. We're in Shreveport, I think Mobile again this year, Fort Myers in Florida. We've got a southeastern tour that goes for three, four weeks, and then we have one uh, that goes to the southwest for three or four weeks. So if you'd like to secure tickets to any of the Celtic Throne performances, uh, just go to CelticThrone.com. Some, a lot of the feedback that we get, you heard more references there to the music and the choreography and so on. But uh, if you've heard that feedback before, uh, we've had a lot of those on uh, this program. So many of them comment on the family orientation. The show, <laughs> one of the, the audience members there uh, men mentioned Zoe, who happens to be my niece. There's so many family operations going on in God's work. And Celtic Throne is probably the most obvious someone, a dance teacher, once asked my son, who also is in the show, if, uh, you know, how do you, how does your school do this? Because we'd kind of like to do it as well. And he just went right down the line of everything that God has made available on this campus, including the magnificent Armstrong Auditorium. But together with that, uh, the, the wholehearted support coming from uh, mothers and, and even a lot of fathers, family is what makes it go. And that's nearly impossible. When you think of the resources, when you think of everyone living in close proximity, when you think of the fact that there's family support, I mean, in most schools, if not in all schools, it would just be impossible to pull all of this together. There's a CNN article recently, a big reason so many Americans are still single. You see articles like this all over the place. It's really sad. People just aren't marrying. They're not building families. It says here, a record number of Americans are single this Valentine's Day. This is from a couple weeks ago, I guess. In 2020 and 2021, the marriage rate hit the lowest number since the government began tracking it in 1867. So you got to go all the way back to the Civil War era, and it's never been this bad. The marriage rate, it just keeps plummeting. It says here, a trend that was well underway before the pandemic, according to research by uh, Pew, an unprecedented 25% of 40-year-olds have never been married. Those who are single are far less likely to be living with a romantic partner than they were in 1990. Now, as we certainly teach and educate our young people here in this church, 
we, we don't want you to just rush along into a bad marriage. In fact, that's why we have a lot of safety valves in place with counseling and, and guiding couples. And we have all kinds of materials that we educate them with, including the missing dimension in sex, including, including mystery of the ages, including single-minded for God, how to, how to be a, a productive and fruitful single. And we have a lot of them in this church, and they perform mighty works. There's several in the, the show that are single as of now, but they're, they're coming out from strong families. And as I say, that's how the production goes. I mean, we're preparing young people. It's one thing if, if you know, there's not options where you are, there's no one to date or whatever, but more and more, these are people that just are choosing not to marry. It says here, a paradoxical reason, I argue in my forthcoming book, Dating Apps. So this woman wrote a book about how one reason the marriage rate is declining is paradoxically because of dating apps, apps that are meant to bring people together, supposedly. The conventional wisdom, of course, is that online dating has made it easier to meet people while that may be true, few of these matches are leading to marriage or even meaningful relationships. In 2019, only 12% of Americans had ever had a committed relationship with someone they met online. Well, why, isn't, why isn't it working? Why isn't the technology facilitating more marriage? I mean, now it's easier to meet someone more than ever before. You just have to swoop, right? Swoop through. Dating apps aren't as smart as their creators may claim. Algorithms simply can't set up soulmates. And even if they could, app makers wouldn't have an incentive to match too many of them. They'd stand to lose users. It's not in their interest, these dating apps. It's not in their interest to bring people together so they marry, because then if they marry, they're not going to be on the dating app anymore. So many lies, so much deception. You hear stories about these social media giants, all the CEOs that wouldn't dare have their children on their, their own social media site because they know how much it damages them. I've got another one on that that I can't get into. I don't have time. They know it's harmful, and yet they continue to sell it. They continue to push it even because it makes them billions even as it hurts families by the millions and millions and millions. As I say, missing dimension in sex, mystery of the ages, another one that comes to mind, the God family vision, single-minded for God. You can get to all of that literature at our website, thetrumpet.com, or you can call the 800 number and request free copies. Nothing, or I should say, everything we offer on this program is offered without cost or obligation. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you again tomorrow.